I'm glad that you came to worship with us here this morning. My name is Joel. I'm one of the ministers on staff here at Cross Plains Christian Church. And what we're doing as a church is we are going through a study called Believe. We're looking at different ways how we can look, how we can think and act and be like Jesus. That's what I'm called to do as a follower, as someone who wants to follow after Jesus and model my life after what he told me to model it after. To do what Jesus said is most important because at the very core of who I am and who we are as Christians is we want to be one who's going to follow after our master. And that's what Jesus taught us when we read in our Bibles, when we read the story of Jesus, when he went out and he called his disciples, and he said, come and follow me and I'll change your life. I'll show you a different way. I'll show you a better way. And I'll show you what your priorities should be. So, the, so in this big, long 30-week study that we're doing as a church called Believe, we're in part three. Part three is how do I think, act, and be? How do I be like Jesus? How can I live like Jesus in this world every day in the things that I do? So this week is chapter 21 of that study, and what we're talking about today is love. We're talking about how we, how anybody that wants to follow after Jesus, that wants to do what he has commanded for us to do, what do we do? This key idea that we have every week, this week it says that I'm committed to loving God and loving others. Our key idea that's really going to permeate everything I'm going to talk about, there's going to be a lot of scripture in there as well, is that I am committed to loving God and loving others. And that fits right in with how we have defined and how we want to articulate what a disciple is, what a Christian is, and what they should look like and what they should do here at Cross Plains Christian Church or really anywhere. That's just how we viewed through the lens of Scripture, and we want to define what it is and what we're called to do. We want to be disciples of Jesus, and we want to grow in our faith, and we want to make more disciples. So it's imperative that we know what a disciple or what a Christian is. We've defined that as a disciple is someone who loves God and others, someone who bears fruit and equips others from service for service, out of Mark and out of John and out of Ephesians, those scriptures that teach us what my life's supposed to look like as a Christian. If I'm following after Jesus, if I'm allowing him to work in my life, those are the marks that Jesus is going to want me to have on my life. Jesus said it, and like I said, there's a lot of scripture. If you're going to try to follow along, you, you may have time to get to some of these but I would also encourage you to, if you have your Bible, you want to follow along, feel free. Some of these are going to come up kind of quickly. A lot of them will come up on the screen behind me. But let the truth that comes from God out of his word sink in. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He says, If you'll love me, you'll keep my commandments. Which is probably why a question was asked, even if it wasn't in the right way, that came out of those key verses that we talk about, how we define what a disciple is. A disciple is someone who loves God and others. We took that out of Mark chapter 12. It's this encounter with Jesus and the religious teachers of the day where they come before Jesus and they're asking him questions. And they say, of all the commandments, what is the most important? We ask that question a lot in life, don't we? What's the most important thing I can do? What's the best way I can spend my day? What's the best use of my resources or my time or my money? We want to know what's the most important? What's the best? How can I? And this question was asked of Jesus, and it comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. I'm going to start reading in verse 28, where these scribes come before Jesus, and they say, what's the most important commandment? Now, keep in mind John 14, 15, where Jesus taught, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So we have this question asked directly of Jesus, and I, for one, am glad that these people came before Jesus, and they asked him, because I don't have to guess. 
I don't have to wonder what it is because Jesus told us very clearly. So Mark 12, starting in verse 28, it reads from God's word like this. It says, and one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. Seeing that he had answered him well, he asked, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Very clear. And Jesus is articulate even when we're not. Jesus is clear in what he's trying to teach, and he, even when I can't be. But he says, if you will love God and you will love others, there are no commandments that are greater than these. So on this Father's Day, as we think of men, and there's fathers and grandfathers and examples in the room, think about the role that God is calling for us to play in the lives that we influence. TJ talked about it kind of well. There's almost caricatures of men that are thrown out there. We're either hard and unapproachable or we're soft and sissies and we don't do anything right. It's a picture that our culture likes to paint about what men should do. And that's not the picture that God painted for us, nor is it the example that God set for us. For fathers, what he talked about in the scripture is not there, but it talks about husbands and wives in scripture. And it talks about how husbands, you're to love your wife and be the head of your household, and you're to love her. How? Jesus said it very clearly through Paul. He said, as Jesus loved the church, what did Jesus do for the church? He laid down his life because he loved the church so much. He thought of the needs of the church before the needs of himself. So that's my call as a Christian husband and as a man and as a father, that I am to love my wife and my family first, and to lead them and to care for them in that manner. Because God is the one father who didn't screw it up. God is the one father who didn't fall short, and he is the example that we can follow. So that's what I, as a Christian, I want to follow my life after him and to not take what the world says a man should be or shouldn't be or should do, or, but I want to do what God has modeled for us and has taught us. And it's about love. It's about loving others and thinking of others before you think of yourselves. Jesus says all the law hinges on this. Love God with everything you have and love your neighbors yourself. There's nothing greater than these. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's easy to love ourselves and to tolerate our neighbors. It's a lot harder to love our neighbors as ourselves because, honestly, a lot of times they don't deserve it. Okay, You know what the truth of the matter is? Most of the time I don't deserve God's love. But he loves me anyway. And I'm called to love others as God loves me. And this idea of biblical love that is talked about in Scripture that you can read in the Bible, and it will, it will, God will reveal it to you. A lot of times in our culture, we think that love is a, is a feeling. Biblical love is not a feeling, it's a decision. That's why God can command us in Scripture to love one another, because he has commanded us. You can love somebody even if you don't care for some of the things that they're doing. It's not, I don't feel like it. God would say, I don't care if you don't feel like it, Joel. I have commanded you to love others and think of others before you think of yourself. Even if I don't want to, God tells me that I should because what I find at least is true in my life, a lot of times I do the things that I want to do, but they're not the things that I should do. And I think that's why God in his wisdom, he worded it this way, that this idea of biblical love is I'm making a commitment, a decision to, to use some more biblical language uh, that we would take out of the Old Testament, is God made a covenant with us, and he chose us to love us. I'll read a scripture on that in a little bit. But I want to talk about we love 
Why? Well, we love because God loves us. We love because God loves us. We're to love other people because God loves you. And I want to be the example that other people can look to and not see me, but they can see Jesus. Yeah, they're going to see my warts and my flaws and my hang-ups and the things that I fall short at. But hopefully, above those things, that they will see Jesus in my life that they'll see God and his Holy Spirit trying to work in my life, that I grow and I develop, and I become more like Jesus the longer that I walk on this earth. Now, it's not a perfect trajectory where it's always going to be going up because life's messy and I get in the way. But with God with us and by our side, he's going to sustain us and bring us along and teach us and show us and be there for us. The famous verse, come, one of them, comes out of John, the Gospel of John uh, 3.16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 goes on to say, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The world is people. The world is us. The world is every person that has ever drawn breath into their lungs that God sent Jesus for us. Why? So that we might be saved through Jesus. We love because God loved me first. Another truth that we can take out of the book of Romans is that God showed his love and that Christ died for us. It comes from Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Let me go down and read verse 28. It says that we know that for all those who love God, God works all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That's chapter 8. That's why I can't find it. That's why it didn't make any sense. I was reading 8 verse 5, and that wasn't it. I'm like, what in the world am I talking about? Have I lost my mind? I might have. That's The jury is still out on that one, but that's not the verse I wanted to read. So I'll take a breath and back up here for a second, and let's see. Romans 5 and verse 8. We'll see if this makes more sense. What do we think? Aha, found it. You like that? But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for me. Even while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. Even while we were still sinners and we didn't deserve it, Christ died for us, which is what Rome, some chapter in Romans says. Right? Chapter 5 and verse 8. We love because God loves us. And also, when God's love really came out and it showed itself through Jesus, it appeared, and he saved us through Jesus. A little book in the end of the New Testament called Titus. We'll see if I can turn to the right verse this time. Titus chapter 3, starting in verse 4. It says, but when the goodness and the loving kindness of our God and Savior appeared... He saved us, not by works done in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing and the regeneration and the renewal of his Holy Spirit. He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So when Jesus came, that's how God showed us and proved us just how much he loved us and he cares for us and that he also has a plan for us. And we also love because there's nothing that can ever separate us from the love of God. I think this is the one I was trying to pull out of Romans 8, 38. 
For I'm sure that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is Christ Jesus our Lord. So we love because God gave his only son for us. We love because even when I was undeserving of God's love, he chose to love me. And that nothing can ever separate me or separate us from the love of God. And God gives to you with a sacrificial love. That's at the heart of that famous verse from the Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God gave us what we needed and nothing short of what we needed so that our sin could be covered. So that the blood of Jesus could wash me clean and that my sin could be forgiven. And that God could put up with me. That God could look on me again because God can't be in the presence of sin. It goes against his very nature. But because of that sacrifice and the plan that Jesus fulfilled, that he fulfilled God's plan. Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? He did because of me. I can say because of people, but that's not very personal. <laughs> okay. Jesus had to die on the cross because oftentimes I choose to do things that I shouldn't do, and we call that sin. When I violate God's order, when I violate what God has taught for me to do, when he tells me, and it's sin. And any sin separates me from Jesus and I can only, or from God. And the only way that we can be forgiven to be part of his family, to spend forever in the presence of God, is that Jesus had to sacrifice and lay down his life for us. And he did. God loves us sacrificially. So I want to be committed to loving God and loving others. I want to be committed to loving God and loving others. The key verse comes out of 1 John chapter 4. 1 John 4, I'm going to start reading in verse 7. It's towards the end of the New Testament. It's one of those little books that's hard to find sometimes. But it's 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, and Revelation are the last five books of the Bible. Sometimes we're in the very back. I like to start in the back and then flip that way. That at least that way I know I'm close. Or I cheat sometimes and I have an electronic Bible. And I can scroll through and find it that way. It's not cheating. It's just a different way to use it. Um, and sometimes you cheat and you still go to the wrong spot, right? There's a lesson in there somewhere, I think. First okay. John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Um, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, so we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. One of the other ways that God works in his love through you and through your life, if you're going to choose to follow after him and to model your life after Jesus and follow his commandments and keep his commandments, I don't want to love God and I want to love other people, is that God loves other people through you. God uses people to show the love of Jesus to other people. It's kind of interesting how that works. He did that through Jesus, who was a person, yet was fully God. And we see that Jesus, and if you go and you read into the Gospels, the books that tell the life of Jesus and what he did, is that he invested in his disciples, and he poured into them, and he built relationships with them. 
Not because they were perfect, not because they weren't going to let him down, because they weren't and they did, and Jesus knew it. But he invested in them anyway because he knew that it was worth it. Because he knew that it was the only way for people to be changed, is to be closely knit in relationship with one another for a common purpose, and that purpose is God. That purpose is following after God and the plan that he has for me and allowing the Holy Spirit, which God promises to every believer, to live inside me and to guide my life and to help me understand Scripture and to help me learn how to pray. But God loves other people through you. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And right before that, 2 Corinthians 5.16 reads like this. Second Corinthians 5.16, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, and we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, this is verse 17 again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. God loves other people through you, through other Christians. This is the way it works. That's how God wants the example of Jesus to be shown. A good question to ask, or maybe an appropriate question to ask, and maybe you've thought of this before. Well, if, if God is love, and I'm to follow Jesus' commandments, and his commandment, he said there's no greater than this, that you are to love God and to love other people. Well, how are people going to know if I'm following Jesus? How am I going to know if I'm following Jesus like I'm supposed to? I love what uh, John says in uh, John chapter 13 and verse 35. John 13, 35, I'll back up reading 34 too. It's not marked, but it's highlighted here in my Bible. But how are people going to know that you follow Jesus? John 13, 34 says, A new commandment that I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. Then verse 35, it answers that question, well, how am I going to know? How are people going to know? It says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. It's by that great scripture that talks about love that it gets read a lot at weddings and ignored some other times. Um, in 1 Corinthians 13, where the Apostle Paul talks about love, and it says you can do all these great things, but if you don't have love, you're just wasting your time. You're just a loud noise, and that's not going to really make a big difference. And what Paul is talking about there is how we're to have love for one another in the church. In that letter, in that book, he's addressing Christians. He's addressing a specific church that was in the city of Corinth. And he's writing a letter to them. He says, you can do all these great things in the name of Jesus, but you don't love other people. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's why when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He says, all the law and the prophets hinge on this. Love God with everything that you possibly have. And love your neighbors yourself. And when I do that, God helps all the other stuff in my life to align. And he shows me what I'm supposed to do and what I'm not supposed to do anymore. What I need to quit doing or what I need to start doing. When I will do that, God will align and show us. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. These words of Jesus, by the love that you have for one another. So if I find in my life or when I find in my life it's hard to love other people, the problem is that I've lost sight of Jesus. Because if I can't love other people who I have seen, then I cannot love my Heavenly Father who I have not seen. It says that. God told us that in his word. I have to be willing to love other people. And loving other people is hard because people are 
people, right? We, I mean, it is. Some people are easy to get along with, and some people aren't so much. Sometimes we fall into that aren't so much category, right? All of us at some point, right? But God has called for us to love even when that love is, we feel like it's not deserved. God even goes so far as to say, by the measure at which I'm willing to forgive other people, that's the extent by which God will be willing to forgive me. So if I don't love other people enough to forgive them, I don't really love Jesus as much as I wish that I did, or as much as I claim that I should, or what I can clearly see reading through the Bible about how much love should be of my life individually as a Christian, of our life corporately as a church here, or anywhere where people gather in the name of Jesus, love should be the resounding principle. That the, this should be the first response that comes out of people's mouths when they ask about Christians. Well, tell me, what's the first thing that stands out to you about them? It's, man, they love other people. They love other people. That's why it's so important. That's why it's so crucial that I'm willing to love God and love others. And by doing that, people will know where my priorities lie and who I'm going to follow after. Simply put, God loves us because he chooses to love us, not because we have it all together. That's not why God loves us. But God shows us in his love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's that scripture I couldn't find earlier, Romans 5, 8. While I was a still sinner, Christ died for me. He loves me not because I have it all together, not because we can, we're the biggest or the best or the most appealing. In fact, the people of Israel in the Old Testament where God chose them as his people. He explains in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7, God says this way. He says, it was not because you were more in number than any of the other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all. You were the weakest. You were the least in the world's eyes. But God says, I loved you just the same. And I love you because God is love, and that's just what he does. He loves us because love just permeates and it comes choose us because of what we can offer him. He loves us just because at the core of who he is, he loves, and he can't not love. So as I follow after God and I want to be like him, I've got to be willing to love others with my life. And God loves us not because we loved him first. In fact, it says it in 1 John 4.10, says it in that passage that we read. It says, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but he has loved us, and he sent God to cover our sins. He sent his son. While we were still sinners, while I didn't deserve it, before I even understood who Jesus was, God loved me, and he sent his son to die on the cross for me. That is true for every person, whether they recognize it in their or not. The truth still remains the same. A Christian author, Brendan Manning, was, once put it this way. He said, God loves you unconditionally as you are, not as you should be because nobody is as they should be. God loves you as you are. Brendan Manning also liked to say this. He says, God will, he liked to say, God will ask you one question upon your arrival in heaven. Did you believe that I loved you? Did you believe that I loved you? As I think about my life, and I would encourage you, wherever you are with what you believe or what you're struggling with, I don't know. If God were to ask you that question, how would you be able to honestly answer that before him? Do you believe that I love you? Coming from God. If I believe that God loves me and that he wants what is best for me, 
that he's given me a plan and he's given us a people to help fulfill that. He's given us his word as we spend time in God's word and we read scripture. God teaches us and he shows us. While we didn't deserve it, while he didn't have to, God loved. So when I look at other people in the world, even though they may not deserve it, that may be true, God still calls us to love. You can still disagree with someone and love. It's difficult, but it can be done, and it's necessary, in fact. But we, as Christians, have to make sure that we are always holding tightly to the truth and what God has taught us. That even when we disagree, even if it is sharply, that we can do that with love as an earmark for everything that we do. Because that's what Jesus did. All the commandments hang on this. If I am to love God, I love my neighbor as myself. So we are to be committed as I want to be like Jesus in the world. I want to commit to loving God and loving others. I love God and love others. It's very clear. It's in fact quite simple. You can't really argue it any other way. I don't see how I could read Mark 12 verses 28 and following and interpret any other way. But it's hard. But we're not doing it by ourselves. That's why we come together as the church to worship. That's why we come together to study. And that's why we are to be invested in one another genuine way that we care for one another. That we want the very best for one another. As God wanted the very best for you. And he gave the very best for you. Let me pray for us. Would you bow your heads? God, I'm so grateful for how you love us. God, even when we're undeserving, God, even when we keep messing up with the same thing over and over again, Father, you still love us and you care for us and you are there for us to provide for us, to correct us, to teach us, to encourage us. God, and I'm so grateful for that. Father, I pray that we model what we know to be true from your word. God, that we don't let the world kind of dictate and change what the Bible has said to be true and what you've given us in your word, that, God, we know your word well enough for we can come in and find it and read it, and, God, that you will show us the way, that, God, that you will show us the light so that we can be a light to the world, that we can tell them what Christian love is all about, God, that we can tell them why it's so important that we model for others what Jesus modeled for us. God, may that when people think of Cross Plains Christian Church or think of anyone here that follows, may they think, man, they love other people. They have a heart for others, and they just want to serve, and they want to care for. And, God, they will do anything they can to reach the world for Jesus. God, we can't reach everybody, but we can reach somebody. Father, may we look for the opportunities that we can grow and that we can love you and that we can love our neighbors. And, Father, when we do that, there will be powerful change in our lives individually and corporately as a church. Father, give us opportunities to do just that. And when we fall short, give us another opportunity because we need it. And God, I know that your grace abounds, and I'm so grateful for that. And Father, um, for all of those that are, that are suffering, for those that don't know you yet, Father, we bring them before you. God, as we close our time here, may we remember the great example that you gave us of your love from our Heavenly Father. God, I know this world is not as you intended it to be. And the the very reality is so many of us were hurt by fathers, abandoned or mistreated or 
awful things. And God, what that has done is that has broken down what some people can't even imagine what a good father would look like. But God, I pray that you make yourself known to them. And God, you show them that even though some have failed, God, that you will never fail. And that you are always there for us, God. And I am grateful for your love. God, and thank you for Jesus, how he taught us and how he showed us the way. In the name of Jesus, I pray and I ask all of these things. Amen.